welcome you aboard to another edition of State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. He is John Spataro. I am Jason Gotch. The NFL never sleeps, and upcoming a little bit later this month, we've got the 2021 NFL draft, so we'll have a lot of betting talk regarding the draft. And yes, for some of our amateur bettors listening to the show, you can't just always think about betting on NFL games. There is value and money to be made. Yes, nowadays you can actually bet on the NFL draft, so we'll have that coming up for you. Before we get to that, though, John, let's talk a little bit about the NBA because the regular season is actually winding down. Uh, The Bulls now have just 14 games remaining in the regular season as we get uh, taping this program here today. But a lot of the listeners to our show might not know that the NBA has gone to an interesting format for the playoffs this year. Uh, For years and years and years, heck, for a few generations, the NBA has been playing one through eight in each conference make the playoffs. The top eight seeds make the playoffs, but not this year. Uh, the top six are automatically in, but there's a play-in tournament for the teams that are seated seven through ten in each conference. And here's how it works: uh, after the regular season ends, the seven seed and eight seed will play off, and then the nine seed and ten seed will play off. Uh, the winner of that seven-eight seed game gets into the postseason. The loser actually gets another shot. It's double elimination. Uh, they will play the winner of the nine versus ten seed game, and that winner of uh, that final contest in the the this tournament round will get the eight seed in the respective conference. So I know that's a little confusing to everybody, but basically. For Bulls fans out there, even though as we speak here on the show, the Bulls are not currently one of the top eight seeds, uh, they still are alive for this postseason tournament. And I know it's been a struggle uh, for much of the season for the Bulls and Zach Levine on the COVID list. Who knows when he's going to return? The Bulls are currently 24 and 34. They have the 12 seed in the East, but they are only a game behind the Washington Wizards for the 10 seed. So I ask you, John Spataro, uh, your thoughts from a gambler's perspective on this NBA uh, new postseason format and from what you've seen from the Bulls this year, uh, should there be any hope for Billy Donovan's crew to maybe sneak into this and make some noise, or is that too much to ask for? Well, before I get into the gambler's perspective, I guess I'll start off with just a sports fan, maybe a sports media watcher perspective. And anytime I hear tournament or play-in game, it's leagues trying to capture the magic that is March Madness, right? These one-game, high-stakes uh, you know, TV events where you get a team who's playing do-or-die basketball. And that happens uh, you know, hundreds of times in uh, the past few years in college basketball games. It happens in the MLB a little bit with their play-in games now for the wild card position, but the NBA is clearly testing out this formula to see if they can, you know, drum up some interest. I think this kind of came out of the bubble too. If you remember last season when they were playing in the bubble in Orlando, they invited some teams that were not currently in the playoffs, although the season got uh, canceled with just a handful of games left. They invited some teams like the Phoenix Suns who ended up winning every game that they played in the bubble but didn't make the playoffs. I think they're trying to drum up some of that atmosphere where, you know, you're never really out of it unless you're 
truly one of the bottom two teams in each conference. Like you mentioned, the Bulls currently 12th overall uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, but they have a, a legitimate shot of making the, the playoffs because of this new format. So from a gambler's perspective, do I think that the Bulls have a chance? I hope so, because I actually have a bet placed uh, currently for the Bulls to make the playoffs. I am unsure, and I haven't been able to find this anywhere, if just making that uh, you know 10 seed or 9 seed counts as making the playoffs. I don't know if they actually have to make it into the second round, which is you know formerly the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, but I guess that remains to be seen. But yeah, the Bulls have got some good pieces, and you know it, we talk a lot about the Bears on this program, and I think of the Bulls as kind of a, a, a model of what I think the Bears should try and do, which is have decades of mismanagement with you know Gar Foreman and John Paxson have a total laughing stock of a coach in Jim Boylan. Uh, they showed him the door. They kind of cleaned house. They brought in Billy Donovan and AK, Arturis Karnasovas, a, a basketball mind, if you will, on both the GM and the coach side. And look at the results. They're not necessarily blowing everybody out of the water, but Zach Levine is playing at a very high level. They made a very nice trade uh, to get Nikola Vucevic uh, at the trade deadline, who some people consider uh, maybe a contender for the MVP. Obviously, it's hard to win it if you don't make the playoffs, but he's putting up a ton of numbers, and he's a really fun player to watch. So I think the Bulls have definitely taken a step forward when it comes to the class of the Eastern Conference. I don't know how well they match up against a team like the Sixers. Uh, they beat the Nets you know, a couple weeks ago without... Uh, Kyrie Irving, I believe, on the court, and maybe even without Kevin Durant, so that's kind of hard to judge. Uh, but whether or not they have a deep playoff run doesn't matter if you're just trying to bet them to get into the playoffs, which at this point is probably a little undervalued. But if you put a bet maybe at the beginning of the year or the middle of the year, kind of like I did for them to make the playoffs, you probably got a decent number because there weren't a lot of expectations for this Bulls team. So we'll see how it shakes out. Like you mentioned, there's 14 games left. The Bulls have already given away some wins that seemed very easy. I mean, just recently they lost a game to the Cleveland Cavaliers who are uh, only 18 and 40 on the year, which, you know, really would have helped their playoff chances. But the Bulls just got to get everything together. You mentioned uh, Zach Levine not on the court. He is up in the air as as he deals with COVID or whatever uh, is keeping him from playing in the protocol. So I like the Bulls as a project. I like the direction that they're headed. They give me a lot of uh, enthusiasm that has been lost over the past years dealing with the Boylan era Bulls and just specifically the Garpax era, which uh, mercifully came to an end. So when I talk about, you know, uh, the, the Bears and the direction that they're headed, I would love to see them do something similar, which is clean house, get a new set of brains in the building that can just, you know, start focusing on running some easy plays, get the ball to your superstars like they have with Zach Levine and Vucevic uh, since he's been added. Actually run an offense, get a good player like Patrick Williams and get him into the rotation and let him contribute. Uh, immediately after being drafted. There's a lot of good things to like here. So overall, the Bulls are probably a fringe at this point to make the playoffs. I'm going to be sweating out the bet that I already have on them to make it for the next few weeks. But I have to say the arrow is pointing up in terms of my enthusiasm and my returned watching of the Bulls. I didn't watch the Bulls for many years just because I thought that it was a waste of my time. They weren't a competitive team. Now they're nipping at the heels of that. They still need to add a couple more players to maybe be in the title conversation like the NBA has come to be these past, uh, I don't know, decade and a half now. You need a couple superstars, but they've got good building blocks, and I think that they're definitely more watchable than they have been at any point in the last five, six, seven seasons. 
I think the biggest problem for the Bulls as we continue on state lines, he's John Spataro, I'm Jason Gosh. It's where you get the best gambling information out there. Is the NBA really is a league of chemistry, meaning when you throw guys together, you can have the most talented roster on paper, but if they don't play well together or know how to play well together, they haven't played enough games uh, as a unit, then you're going to be in some trouble. And I think what John mentions, the arrow's going up for the Bulls. It's just not this year because you pick up Vucevic in that trade and you get Zach Levine with him and you try and build some chemistry and now Zach Levine's on the COVID list. So those guys on paper are pretty good players. The problem is they haven't played enough together to, I think, build that chemistry. And like John said as well, the Bulls need a few more pieces. So my guess, unfortunately, for John in that bet is I don't think the Bulls are going to make the playoffs. And from what I'm seeing, too, from the sites I'm looking at, Uh, You've got to not just get in this play-in tournament to get in the postseason. You actually get a win, uh, a playoff spot. So you got to be one of those eight teams standing. And the Bulls, Raptors, and Wizards right now. The Wizards are 25 and 33. The Raptors are 25 and 34. The Bulls are 24 and 34. Uh, The Pacers are 27 and 31. And the Hornets are 28 and 29. So I really think what we're looking at here, I think the Hornets and the Pacers are going to get two of those spots. Uh, along with the Miami Heat, who are over 500 for the actually, so two of the three spots remaining. Heat are definitely going to get in this play-in tournament in the East. I think the Hornets and Pacers are going to get in too. So really, it's the Wizards, Raptors, and Bulls that are fighting for one of these spots, and it's a coin. Well, I mean, a three-sided coin if you can find one uh, of which one of those teams gets in. And then you're talking about them probably one of those teams having to beat the Heat, and then either the Hornets. Uh, or the Pacers in that next round. So is it dual the Bulls pull this off? Stranger things have happened. I just see it as an uphill battle right now more than maybe I would have, uh, you know, a week and a half ago when Zach Levine was still on the roster and thinking maybe these guys can build some chemistry before the end of the regular season. Uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen depending on Levine's return. And I've even heard uh, Levine and Vucevic also refer to that like, hey, you know what? We're still learning. We're still trying to play together. We're still trying to, trying to figure things out. But again, with Billy Donovan as the head coach, Uh, you know, a proven coach. The offseason, if the Bulls can make a move here or there, I I think they've got some potential for next year. And certainly it looks like they're on the right track compared to, yeah, what was a joke in Chicago when you had John Paxson for almost 20 years running this team and not doing a very good job of it at least the last few years. They were okay when Paxson first started, but in this last six or seven years, the Bulls have been not so good. So unfortunately for Bulls fans, I don't think that the playoff picture looks all that promising for them here in 2021. But before we get out here and talk about uh, the NFL draft, uh, any thoughts, John, on the odds to, to make the NBA Finals or anything you're looking at from what you've seen in the NBA this year? I know it's, it, this is a really hard year uh, for me to predict what's going to happen just because of the fact that it was the COVID year. There's not even fans at some of these arenas still. And I look at the odds and I see the Brooklyn Nets are plus 240. Uh, the Lakers are plus 350. Uh, the Clippers are plus 650. The Jazz are plus 700. The Bucks are plus uh, 750 with the Sixers plus 1200 uh, to win the title. I would love, just from a fan's perspective, I would love to see a team like the Utah Jazz win this thing because that's never a destination for free agents. Nobody's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to go play for Quinn Snyder in the Utah Jazz like they would be the Clippers or the Lakers or the Nets or even Giannis saying yes to the Bucks. I think that's a good story too. It'd be nice to see the Bucks win it. But the Utah Jazz are just kind of a forgotten team since Stockton and Malone. Again, I don't remember a key free agent ever saying, I'm going to play in Utah. Sign me up. Some, some of the lesser tier ones will go 
although there are some guys will stick around. But with Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, I'd love to see the Jazz make a run at that title. I think it'd be a lot more entertaining than see LeBron out there again or, or the Nets or any of these other teams that I mentioned. Yeah, that would certainly be the most fun team on the board in terms of true contention. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams in the playoffs like there are every year, and now even more with the addition of this tournament, I guess. Uh, but really, the NBA is the NBA, and, and you think we're on a crash course for the Brooklyn Nets versus the Lakers or maybe the Clippers, right, in the finals. So if that's the case, plus 240 for the Brooklyn Nets sounds a little bit interesting. Um, that's decent odds for a team that if everybody's playing and you know they're, they're at full speed, I think they're probably the best team in the NBA by far with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, right? It, it would be hard for me to bet against them. So this late into the season, uh, plus 240, if you wanted to put some real money down and actually get a decent return back, that's not a terrible look, I, I, I would guess. Uh, but the NBA is as you know consistent as it's been probably at any point in history where the same teams uh, fight through the playoffs. They get tested between you know the first round and the conference finals, things like that. But one way or another the big stars make it into the finals and then we get you know five six seven game series uh where it's it's pretty much a toss-up or they trade back and forth with blowouts like it's been the few the last few years where you know a team wins by 20 and then the next night they lose by 20 and then they win by 20 and then they just repeat until uh, you know the last person holding the ball wins so uh, if i'm looking at this odds list i think there's some fun to be had in here i mean i, I don't recommend this if you're trying to you know win a bunch of money but a decent odds and, and probably a decent story for some people who have been waiting far too long. What about the New York Knicks at plus 10,000? I mean, they're going to make the playoffs pretty comfortably at this point. I think they're a sixth seed or maybe a fifth seed in the East. On the back of Julius Randle, who has really uh, jump-started his career after a couple okay years, he's kind of turned into the superstar maybe people thought he was when he was at Kentucky. And he's leading the Knicks back to the playoffs. And it's been quite a while for uh, the old Knickerbockers to get into the playoffs and certainly we're still waiting for them to win a playoff series for I believe it's been a few decades now since they've actually won a playoff series but either way I mean plus 10,000 odds it's not going to happen but that's a super long shot if you believe that the wrong team from New York is going to do uh you know a, a big dance this year in the playoffs meaning the Knicks and not the Nets so yeah there's a lot on this board I'm not crazy about any of it betting on the NBA truly is major league stuff I mean you really have to be tied in to usage uh, game flow, um, you know, different styles of play to hit on any of these spreads or or money lines. Because when you look at some of these teams, they can erase a 30-point lead in like two and a half minutes, or they can uh, be down, you know, 14 points with seven seconds to play. And then suddenly they lose by 20 because of free throws and uh, trash time uh, three-point shots. So I usually stay away from the NBA as like a whole. A lot of people like to bet on it. It is, you know, a decent spot to make some money. But it's just not for me. There's too much volatility in the games, and you never know who really is going to show up on any given night. The NBA has turned into kind of like a leisure league where, oh, we're going to give our stars two games off. You know, some guy's going to play, but he's not really, you know, 100%. So he's just kind of a decoy out there. He's not really going to put 100% of his effort into it. There's a lot that you have to watch for. But usually when you get to the playoff time, uh, you know, teams start taking it seriously, and they actually play their players uh, close to 48 minutes. 
that does not usually happen in, in the course of an NBA season. So if I could make a recommendation, if you are looking at the board and you're trying to make a play, I'm going to wait until all of these slots are filled, specifically with that play-in tournament, because we saw it this year with the NCAA tournament. UCLA played in the play-in game to just get into the round of 64, and they made it all the way to the Final Four, possibly could have made it to the championship for not a half-court heave uh, by Gonzaga. So maybe, you know, a new tournament format, maybe one of the teams that are a little underrated or undervalued towards the bottom of the list are going to be able to pull an offset after coming out of that tournament, uh, the first of its kind, because they'll just be a little bit more loose. They'll they'll have a, a better feel for their team on the court at that given time. And that's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm sure the odds makers are going to have fun with that as they try to handicap a team that's already played one or two games going up against a number one seed who's been off for a week. So we'll see. It, it's going to be interesting. I think I'm going to wait uh, to put any more money towards the NBA playoffs until I know uh, who's going to be in it and specifically who's coming out of these tournaments. Yeah, certainly should be interesting and well said by John on the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. It's amazing what uh, Thibodeau's been able to do in his career. He turned the Bulls around, the T-Wolves he, he did pretty well with, and then at the bottom kind of fell out. But I think that was more organization than head coach, and now he goes to the Knicks, and uh, for the first time in a long time, they're actually playing some really good basketball. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk NFL Draft. This is State Lines. He is John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. Back with more after this. Former White Sox pitcher and announcer Ed Farmer was thrown the biggest curveball of his life when he was told the only thing that could save him was organ donation. My brother Tom, he's the guy that gave me my life back because I was dying. Three more days, I was going to be gone. Ed lived nearly 30 years because of the kidney donation. His legacy will live on through the White Sox and this life-saving program. Join the Illinois Secretary of State's Organ Tissue Donor Registry. I always say heaven knows you can't take them with you. We welcome you back to State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. He is John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. And, John, hard to believe it's almost late April. The NFL Draft for 2021 is about to commence. And the Chicago Bears with a pick later in the first round this year. At least that's where they pick right now. Not sure how that's going to actually transpire in the end. Will Ryan Pace try and trade up or down here in the first round of the 2021 draft. But regardless of where the Bears pick, I found here, they're number 20 right now, but I did find an interesting prop here on DraftKings where it talks about the Chicago Bears' exact playing position of the team's first drafted player. So it doesn't matter where they draft as far as what pick number-wise in any round here, even if they traded out of the first round. But their first drafted player... What position will that be? Offensive line is plus 180. Wideout is plus 260. Corner is plus 350. Quarterback's plus 400. Defensive lineman is plus 1,600. Linebacker plus 1,800. Running back plus 2,500. Safety plus 3,300. Tight end plus five grand. And if you really want to throw some money away, kicker, punter, long snapper is plus 25,000. I don't think that's going to happen, but John Spataro, again, the Bears pick number 20 as of right now, but they could trade up or down. What position do you think they go for with their first pick this year? 
Well, I think it would be absolutely awesome to be holding a ticket for the Bears to draft a long snapper uh, in their first pick <laughs> and have that uh, cash. I mean, it would really cut the sadness and probably just pure shock that that's who Ryan Pace thought was the best player to draft at that position. Uh, but that's not going to happen. I think it's a two-horse race between offensive linemen and corner at this point. Wide receiver is an interesting spot, but I really can't see Ryan Pace getting the green light, although he has in every single other situation before, uh, to draft a wide receiver when you've got Andy Dalton throwing the ball and Nick Foles probably at some point this year too throwing the ball uh, to a young wide receiver. That just seems like a waste. And really, so does drafting a corner because you just let Kyle Fuller walk uh, and get out of the organization and you're just going to replace him with a a younger, cheaper uh, option on defense. So um, all that being said, I've seen really two names tied to the Bears the most. Uh, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He's a cornerback. He's projected to be a first-round pick, uh, probably in the late first round, which is where the Bears will be sitting. And then also uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. He's an offensive tackle. I think that he's going to be probably a a second-round pick, but maybe the Bears like him enough to reach up uh, and get him in the first round. So for those, I think I'm going to put some money on on the cornerback there, uh, just because you said it was plus 350, uh, the third lowest uh, odds on the list, which seems like decent value to me. Overall, I mean, I'm just not excited for draft night when it comes to the Bears. I haven't really been excited uh, probably since the 2017 draft, and I wonder what they did in that one. Uh, But all in all, I'm really just looking for the Bears to make, uh, you know, not a splash, but really just an addition. Um, You know, a a decent player probably in his own right. Maybe he pans out to be a a good corner or a good offensive tackle, whatever uh, it it happens to be. Uh, But really, it, it just doesn't equate to a, a big impact on the field for me. If the Bears secondary gets better by drafting a first round cornerback, I think this team still is pegged for uh, eight wins or less. And, and that would probably be the best case scenario. If they draft an offensive tackle, maybe you get a little bit more stout on the offensive line, give uh, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton a little bit more time, but you still got Matt Nagy calling the plays and anytime that's going to be uh, in play, I just don't believe that this offense is primed to explode. So from a strictly gambling perspective, uh, you know, I've read a couple mock drafts. I've seen where some of the experts think some guys are going to fall. And I think quarterback is probably the safest bet on that board for me. So I'm going to take a look at that one. Uh, O-tackle might be worth a look, too. You just don't know how much uh, you know emphasis they're going to put on shoring up their offensive line. Uh, but it, it really just is a shame that we're not talking about you know one of the, the six quarterbacks that are going to go in this first round. Uh, the Bears won't even have a shot at, it seems. They might go one through six. Uh, and, and that is obviously their, their most sorely needed position. So this is all just supplemental at this point. The Bears are just trying to improve incrementally at, at one of the positions um, that is not quarterback. And And for that, I don't have a ton of expectation for Matt Nagy coming up on draft night. So not to rain on John's parade, because I know he loves the way Ryan Pace drafts so much. But Ryan Pace, here are the all-stars that Ryan Pace has taken in the first round in his draft career with the Bears. He took the great Kevin White in the top 10 in 2015. We know how that panned out. In 2016, he took Leonard Floyd. Not so good. Uh, no longer with the team. Obviously, the trade for Mitchell Trubisky in 2017. And, and then Roquan Smith in 2018. That's the one first-round pick uh, that Ryan Pace is actually uh, 
uh, done that's been pretty good. So John's right on the head when he questions Ryan Pace's ability here uh, drafting. And I'm actually going to disagree with John a little bit because I'm happy the Bears are not looking at a quarterback because I don't trust Ryan Pace to draft the right guy. Wait till the next year and then let the, the let, let's look at next year's draft the year after because if there's a, a bad pick to be made in the first round, Ryan Pace is going to find a way to do it. He will draft the wrong guy. He proved that in 2017. Not only drafting Mitchell Trubisky, which I didn't have a huge problem with. I had a problem with him tr- trading up a bunch of capital, one spot to the 49ers, who had no intent of drafting Mitchell Trubisky number two overall. So not only did he make a pick, which turned out not to be very good, he traded up to get that guy, and he gave up a lot of draft capital for a team that needed it as the Bears were in rebuilding mode. So uh, what I think, though, Ryan Pace is going to do here, I think he probably wants a trade for a quarterback, but I have a feeling that uh, the upper management, it could be George McCaskey, it could be somebody else, Ted Phillips, is going to tell Ryan Pace, no, you're not trading the farm to get one of these quarterbacks to move up, and those guys you want are probably going to be gone. So my guess here is actually they go offensive line. I think that's the safest pick for them because I think that's their biggest need. And when you have Andy Dalton as your quarterback, if you can protect him, he's actually not that bad. He's actually probably slightly above average. If you have a pass rush on Andy Dalton, he's not just bad, he's terrible. He does not make plays with his legs. He throws into coverage all the time without really seeing guys that are right there you're supposed to see. And also, he gets a ton of passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. So they need to focus... If they're Ryan Pace or you're Matt Nagy, you better focus on having Andy Dalton protected in there as best you can this year because that's your shot to keep your job. And I look at the board and I say, you know, who could they get at that pick? Rashawn Slater would be a nice pick out of Northwestern, a tackle, but he's probably gone. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State I think is a likely pick here for the Bears. He was a senior last year. He can step in and play tackle, hopefully start from day one. So I'm going to go with the favorite. I know that's not something you like to do when you're betting a prop bet, but I just think that that's likely the one they, they the position they go with is offensive lineman. I don't think they go wide receiver. I don't think that makes much sense. I could see cornerback, like John said, to shore up the secondary a little bit, but I'm going to go offensive line here for the Bears. Uh, The odds are plus 180 and say they grab an offensive lineman. Probably number 20 overall, but if they trade down, uh, they could still get a lineman. If they trade up, then they're probably going to look at one of the quarterbacks, but we'll see. Also, here's the one on the board, and I think John and I already answered this question. The playing position of the team's first drafted player, are they offense or defense? I'm going offense. That's minus 335. John's going defense with some value, uh, saying they go cornerback plus 250. Let's move John now to the uh the overall draft, and it, you know, when you look at this this year, it's not really interesting until you get to number three. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick by the Jaguars, and I think Zach Wilson is going to be the second overall pick in the draft uh, by the Jets. So you go down to number three, and you see the 49ers sitting there, and it get now it gets really interesting because at number three. The Niners moved up to get a quarterback. They don't think Garoppolo's the long-term answer, no matter what they're telling the media, that, oh, he's going to be there next year and he's going to be the mentor. Uh, They're looking for a quarterback sooner rather than later, and that's why they traded up to the number three overall pick. So what do you think here? At number three overall, Mac Jones from Alabama is minus 167. Justin Fields is plus 175. Now, Fields just came out, star at Ohio State. It turns out he has epilepsy. How will that affect draft teams? Uh, We'll have to wait and see on draft night. And Trey Lance from North Dakota State is plus 400. Assuming the Niners take a quarterback here, and I think that's a safe bet again here, John, uh, who do you think they go with? And maybe who would you go with if you were in the Niners spot? 
Well, you're absolutely right is that it seems cemented that you're going to get Lawrence and Wilson 1-2 and then the field really opens up. But normally, uh, you know, there's so many other players that play in a draft. You don't know if somebody's going to come up and take the best defensive player off the board or if they're going to take, you know, maybe a high profile wide receiver to pair with the quarterback that they just drafted. Uh, But now if you're sitting in the three or four or five spot, um, you know, probably want to be in that fifth spot because what's likely going to happen is that uh, the 49ers are going to take one of uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones. Uh, the Falcons at four are probably going to take one of those two remaining, and then the decision's kind of made for you. If if you're uh, sitting at number five and and you're the uh, the Bengals, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback because they have Joe Burrow, but they could possibly uh, you know trade down a little bit if somebody wants uh, to get one of these top tier quarterbacks that's still going to be on the board after the first four picks. So uh, if I was the Niners, and like you mentioned, they made a move to draft a quarterback so the the suspense is kind of out of uh the bag here it's not necessarily like a draft night trade where you get 30 seconds notice that a new team is uh currently on the clock and you have to guess who they're going to pick if i'm uh you know the niners i think i would want to go with uh justin fields i i think that just you know looking at his performance over the past two years at uh, ohio state uh looks like he can really fit in well with the, the type of offense that kyle shanahan likes to run i think any of the quarterbacks are going to be in good hands because I think Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive coaches in the game right now. Uh, but he, I think, just offers a, a, a real sense of poise and uh, you know versatility uh, in, in the offense uh, in in San Francisco. So I, I think I would take Fields, but I really don't think you can go wrong with either uh, Lance Fields or Jones. Mac Jones kind of has that Alabama quarterback stink to him. You know, he was he was obviously a very successful college quarterback, but the Alabama quarterbacks never really seem to turn into the players that they were in college in the NFL, so I can understand that. Although he does seem to be a little bit of a higher pedigree uh, than some of the the players that we've seen come from Alabama in the past few years. Uh, but overall, I, I'm like I said, I'm really interested to see what the Bengals do, uh, and and then what the uh, the Dolphins do at number six as well. And then obviously the Patriots are just waiting in the in the wings at uh, pick number seven to draft their quarterback of the future. Uh, I really think they're going to have to make a big splash. So maybe they trade up. Maybe maybe that's what nobody is anticipating but uh, I really don't think you can go wrong I think on an alternate timeline that should be the Bears instead of the 49ers trading up uh, with the Dolphins to get into the uh, the third overall pick to to draft their quarterback of the future but obviously like you said what happened in 2017 the Bears have just exhausted all their capital they have no ability to get into uh, the money when it comes to some of these great quarterbacks I'm excited to watch it though I I think that uh, overall you can't go wrong I I would pick any three of these guys I'd feel good about it I would just rather be in a position where you know we learned uh, a few years ago I I know we keep bringing up the 2017 draft uh, but when you picked Mitch Trubisky second overall in the same draft uh, that uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson went. That's going to follow the Bears and probably follow Mitch for the rest of his career. So if you're wrong on one of these three guys, you know you, you risk the you run the risk of the memes and the chants and you know all the all the jokes that are going to come at their expense. Uh, but it's it's going to be tough because all three of the the quarterbacks that will be available after the second pick, I think, are good options. 
Yeah, it's really tough. And the odds are, though, that uh, probably at least one of those guys won't work out. Maybe two of them just because of the way the NFL works. But when you look at it on paper, I mean, Mac Jones is pretty polished playing for Nick Saban. Uh, Lance has a lot of upside. And you look at Fields, he was just outstanding at Ohio State last year. My gut feeling is Mac Jones goes third. Trey Lance goes fourth. And then we see what happens at number five, like you said, John. I think you're on to something with the Bengals. You know, they need players. They have their quarterback. They believe in Joe Burrow, that ugly injury last year, but he's supposed to make a recovery. Uh, however, they need lots of help Cincinnati does on the offensive line because Burrow was under a heavy rush last season in many games. Some thought he shouldn't be even be on the field because he's getting hit so much. I didn't agree with that. You got to get a guy playing time. You got to put him on the field. You got to see what he can do despite having a week off offensive line. So do the Bengals draft offensive line? Maybe Sewell from Oregon is a guy people have talked about at number five overall. Or do they tell the Patriots, hey, we know you want the quarterback left because the Dolphins aren't going to take that guy most likely because they got two of last year. So you want that quarterback uh, that's left on the board, one of those top five potential players? Or does somebody else want that quarterback? Let's talk a bidding war right here. Who's going to give us the most for the number five pick? We'll move down a few spots and still get our offensive linemen. So I, I think the draft really gets interesting this year at number three, and it's going to be super interesting, three, four, five, six, and seven for me. Uh, the, the, those spots, again, with three quarterbacks, they're likely to get taken in those five picks after the first two when uh, Lawrence and Wilson most certainly will be off the board. It's going to be interesting to see how all those teams handle their respective picks, whether they're picking a quarterback, whether they're trading down to give somebody else a chance to pick a quarterback, and those who pick the quarterback, what order do they go in? So yeah, it should be an exciting NFL draft in those, you know, those picks three through number seven. And you go ahead and you look at um, one other thing I was going to bring up here, uh, John, I wanted before we get out of here, uh, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy, uh, the odds of him getting picked over under 11 and a half on the board. Right now, the odds are slightly that he's going to go under that. He's going to be around at pick number 12 or lower, uh, minus 130. Or will he be picked in the top 11? That odds are plus 105. Now, he's a guy with a lot of potential, but maybe more of a college player to some than what would you would look for in an NFL receiver still. Did great work at Alabama last year. So uh, let's talk about Smith. What do you what do you think the odds of him doing something in this NFL draft are maybe sneaking into the top 11 or do you think he slips a little bit? Well, it's interesting because usually in drafts like these where they're quarterback heavy, uh, you know, it, it is possible for some of these high name offensive players that are not quarterbacks uh, to slip pretty far down the list because teams that are looking to go offense in the first round take their quarterbacks. And then there's the teams like the Bengals who have a quarterback. So maybe they take the best offensive lineman. Then you got the teams going defense. And the way that it shakes out is you could see a guy with the pedigree Heisman Trophy winner put up crazy numbers last year at Alabama, but he could slip towards the bottom of the first round. I could see that happening. So for that reason, in that bet you just mentioned, I think I'm going to go over, and I think that he might go 12, 13, 14. Uh, I still think he's going to be a, a high pick, uh, but yeah, I don't think he's going to crack into the top 10, uh, and, and I actually think if you can get these odds anywhere, which I'm pretty sure that you can, I don't think he's going to be the, the first uh, skill position player drafted because I think that's going to go to Kyle Pitts, the tight end from uh, Florida, who has been projected as high as 
as eight I've seen on, on some drafts. So it would be a weird year for the first 10 picks to include uh, five or six quarterbacks, an offensive lineman, and a tight end. Uh, but that could happen. And, and I think that that's kind of the way that we're trending. Devontae Smith is an incredible talent. Wide receivers just seem to need a lot more around them to immediately impact your team. That might be an interesting look as kind of a dark horse for uh, the Bengals. I mean, if, if they really need to jumpstart their offense and think they can get better, uh, maybe through a trade down or something like that, maybe they take the best wide receiver on the board and, and pair him with Joe Burrow and try to just air the ball out, you know, 60 times a game and, and win games that way. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. But I, I'm really uh, thrown for a loop that, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a running back necessarily in conversation for the first round this year. That's kind of been a trend for the past few years. Um, the only one that I saw was maybe the Buccaneers looking at a running back uh, with their last pick of the first round. But overall, uh, it's it's got to be a weird draft. I just know it. When you have this many quarterbacks ready to go and this many teams who sorely need quarterbacks ready to go, I, I expect some trades. I expect some trade downs. And then when that happens, you know, the draft order really kind of goes out the window because you're not trading up uh, to, you know, look at a couple different players. You're drafting, you're trading up to draft a specific player. And if that happens two or three times, you know, guys uh, like, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, if they're still available, maybe around the 10 spot in some weird alternate timeline and a team comes from out of nowhere to draft him at that position, a lot of these other guys like Smith, uh, like Pitts, um, you know, and, and some of these other high-powered uh, offensive skill players, they can slip. And we've seen it before. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again. One thing I want to ask you, Jason, just as a, a side bet, I don't know if this is available, but um, just as a, 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 you know, I'm throwing out an over-under here at all, uh, and you can bet no on this. You, you can say it doesn't happen at all. But will the Bears draft a quarterback uh, before the fourth round? at any point in this draft by trade with one of the picks that they have. They're kind of uh, front load or back loaded, <clears throat> excuse me, in this draft. First, second, third round picks, and then fifth and three six round picks. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we'll we'll figure out what uh, what order they're going to get into with all these trades that we're anticipating. But do you think that the Bears pick? I don't know. Maybe a, a, a Davis from. Um, uh, Stanford, I've read, has been on, on a couple lists for the Bears, maybe in the second round. There's some other guys just hanging around in the late rounds uh, that the Bears could pick. Do you think they, they walk away with any quarterback at all in this draft? I think so. I, I think probably anywhere from round two to round four, depending on how this whole thing shakes out. I think they have to, John, because just they just don't. I mean, with Trubisky gone, Nick Foles is obviously on the downside of his career. And, and then you go ahead and you look at, Andy Dalton looks like a stopgap measure. Even if lucky with him and he does some good things, what's he going to do next year? Uh, Mills from Stanford, the question is, uh, how high does he go? Because one thing I know from watching the NFL draft, and this goes back to Christian Ponder and Blaine Gabbert. And you, I mean, those are just a couple of names. There's a ton of guys. You see these teams, they know a quarterback is the most important position to have, and they start to reach for these guys. So David Mills from Stanford, I'm glad you bring him up because this is a perfect example. Uh, you know, he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school, was hit or miss at times in his career. Uh, he's not certainly a guaranteed star in the NFL. But, you know, projected from some people anywhere from round two to round four, does somebody trade in the bottom of the first round and make a reach on that guy because they need a quarterback? Um, Kellen Mond's another guy from Texas A&M. That's a guy projected to go anywhere from probably round two to round five. Does somebody, you know, take him in the, you know, mid to high second round instead of 
you know, where he probably should go no sooner than round three. So my guess is yes. I think the Bears, though, who's ever on that board, you know, anywhere from rounds two to four that's on their sheet, they're going to have to draft somebody just because. It, and, I, and I don't even know if I like that idea that much because I think it's a little bit more of a reach than, you know, a, a guaranteed guy that's going to come in here and do well, more of a project type guy. But yeah, I think they draft somebody round four before in quarterback at the quarterback position. What do you think? Yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's really a, a question of who's available and when they're available. Just looking at the Bears' picks, uh, you think that if Davis is available for their second-round pick, which I believe is 53rd overall, that seems kind of in, in the realm of where I think he would go. So that would make sense. But, again, it's just so hard for me to endorse letting Ryan Pace draft another quarterback. And I know that it's not you know as high risk as him trading a bunch of people to move up or anything like that like he's done before. But what what does that get you? I mean, do you realistically believe that, uh, you know, Davis Mills is going to get onto the field as a starter this year behind both Foles and Andy Dalton? And then if that's the case, are you in the same position next year where you're trying to figure out what to do with yet another quarterback being drafted in in back-to-back years in the first two or three rounds? I think the Bears need volume because they just don't have anything going uh, at the quarterback position right now. So they do need to just try as many guys out as they can. I think you'll see a, a, maybe a, a good call for uh, pre- predicting when the Bears are going to draft. They have three six-round picks, and it's it's kind of slim pickings when you get down low. But maybe you get you draft a guy with you know some upside and some potential, maybe undersized or something like that for a reason why he's uh, deep into the two hundreds of the players selected in the draft. But it, it really just it, it just comes down to where these guys are going to go. And the the good news for the Bears is is that you're going to eliminate six teams in the first. 10 picks for teams that need quarterbacks and they're probably not going to draft another quarterback until late in the in the draft if they pick somebody in the top 10. So that kind of opens the playing field for the Bears, whether or not there's a fit and whether or not there's a guy that I think they can justify, not necessarily to themselves, because it doesn't seem like they have to do that when they uh, make their quarterback decisions. Ryan Pace can just pick up whoever he wants. Uh, But it it just comes, it just has to be a, a right timing thing for me. If Mills is available, like I said, 53rd overall, that sounds right. Uh, for where I think he would go. Uh, Mond, like you mentioned, from Texas A&M, maybe later in the third round, something like that. Uh, But overall, it's not going to be a big splash. And then it it just kind of resets the clock. And uh, maybe you'll get some chance at Soldier Field this winter uh, to put in whoever they draft when Foles and Dalton are leading the team to a seven-win season or something like that. Uh, But it just just goes back to poor footing. A, A bad situation can be made worse in the draft. Unfortunately, the Bears are still dealing with a bad decision that was made four years ago, four drafts ago. And uh, I I don't know if making any significant moves is the answer. So they're probably going to have to pick in the bargain bin, look in some later rounds and find a guy that's uh, not on many boards. Yeah, unfortunately for Bears fans, I think that quarterback of the future is probably going to have to wait till next year and beyond. Unless they get a surprise this year, they're probably going to draft somebody. But as far as being that impact player for them, that generational quarterback, well, I guess, John, the way I'll put it is when the Bears find that guy, um, I'll be amazed because I I really haven't seen that guy in my Bears watching lifetime. And it's been about uh, 
almost 40 years now I've been watching Bears football. So they've had some, you know, the Jim McMahons of the world. Certainly he did a good job when he was healthy. But after that, uh, we were talking about who's your best quarterback in the last uh, couple of, you know, generations. Is it Eric Kramer, Jim Miller, or Jay Cutler? Uh, You know you are devoid of talent at that position. Uh, That'll do it for State Lines. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. Enjoy the NFL draft. We'll talk to you real soon. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.